Welcome to the 12th episode of Earwig Serials. I'm your host, Tyler McNamara, and for the next 26 episodes of Season 1, I'll be reading from my book, The Mother of Dark Space. Previously, but Ashley had seen an opportunity. On Zephyr's laptop, Ashley selected Evermore's network and found that he had access to all of Evermore's files in Cloud 9. Ashley pulled up a search program, and with his heart racing, he typed Samuel Resnick and hit enter. But a moment later, two files were revealed. You expect us to trust you until we can rely on each other? But I want to unequivocally witness why we should trust someone whose lips are barely wet with the taste of her first internship. Zephyr, you really are perfect for the role I hired you for, she thought. Mr. Zephyr, please collect your belongings and remove yourself from the building. The chemist, without looking up, reached into his pocket and slipped an envelope of aluminum foil under her napkin. Queen Anne's lace was not a slang term for stims. It was raised stim, built from her hacked medical files and biosamples taken directly by the chemist. He brushed Ashley's Omni off the payment square and replaced it with his own. Ashley cocked his head as if he had a kink in his neck and read the man's name off the payment screen. Oh, thanks, Leon. You didn't have to do that. I can't tell you what we're working on. But our assignment is to discover a cross-biological information exchange beyond electromagnets. And now for Chapter 11. Hidden Behind Doors Ashley. Ashley had spent the weekend wondering whether or not he should call Ray and tell her that Voss's team was working on the same assignment as Lab 7. The problem came when he imagined her reply. If Lab 4 is working on the same assignment, how many others do you think Evermore's got working against each other? The only way to find out was to break into Evermore's office, or hack into the EI CloudNet and get into his workstation files. There was a third option, but it required talking to Evermore, and he couldn't imagine a way to bring it up without Evermore guessing that he knew, which would ultimately lead to Leon getting fired. Then he remembered a fourth. If I had Zephyr's laptop, I could use the NetworkCon program to connect to the EI CloudNet, The chances were high that Zephyr's computer was the only place that program was available on Mars. Aside from Cloud9 and Yun, the highly censored Chinese National Space Program's internet, there was no access to the Darknet, or any other parallel internets. Is it worth tracking down Zephyr? And the thought was interrupted by his Omni buzzing with a message. E.E. Evermore, I want to meet with you Monday at 9.30 a.m. He knows. Voss's assistant must have realized that he'd leaked sensitive information and told Evermore. E. Evermore. Nothing to worry about. I want to hear how things are going with Dr. Dahlia. The follow-up message made him angry, that Evermore knew him enough to know that Ashley's first reaction would be to assume he was in trouble, reminded him of everything they shared and the emotional wall Evermore had raised between them. Ashley sat in one of the two polycarbon chairs that faced Evermore's workstation, which had its screen flattened so that it also functioned as a table, and looked across it. Evermore's leather executive chair stood empty and inviting, and his omni rested on the corner of the workstation, tempting Ashley. Maybe I've got time, he thought as he rose, wandered deeper into the expansive office, and pretended to examine the fake books lining the shelves of Evermore's library, searching for a hidden camera in case Evermore was paranoid enough to monitor himself. The library was decorated by a worn, woven rug that looked like it came from a street market in Mexico somewhere. In the center of the rug was a simple glass surface table riddled with coffee rings. Facing the table were two leather parlor chairs edged with brass tacks that Evermore had stolen from the last century. The chairs were angled 45 degrees off the square of the room so as not to block the spectacular view of Evermore's rooftop garden and the view of the city from 12 stories high. Ashley scanned the garden for places Evermore could be hiding, not that the dock would be playing games, just overlooked while bent over weeding. 
When neither Evermore nor cameras revealed themselves, Ashley settled into his mentor's big leather chair. His hands hovered over the virtual desktop and slowly lowered past the point of no return. The desk awakened, and Ashley was about to run a search for Samuel when he noticed that the birth certificate and the MP3 were right there on the desktop. He heard a sound from somewhere outside and chickened out. Thinking fast, he opened a game of solitaire and was actually able to play a few turns before Evermore's voice boomed from within the room, startling Ashley. On Tom as always, my boy. Ashley had assumed Evermore had come from somewhere on the rooftop garden, but when he turned, he saw the man entering from behind the shelves of books on the northern wall. Ashley's mouth hung open. Is that a secret door behind a shelf of books? Evermore smiled. Yes. What began as a necessity to meet fire codes became shaped by a childhood fantasy and clever carpenters. Once I'd tucked my head into the rabbit hole, I found I couldn't stop. Suffice it to say that I have installed passages all throughout the building. As he and Evermore switched chairs, Ashley shook his head and laughed at himself. That would have been nice to know about on the first day. I could have gotten the assignment folder to Ray on time. Reading Ashley's face, Evermore said, Already thinking of potential uses? No, sort of. I was hiding in the poolside bathroom so I could listen to the speech you gave to the department heads. One corner of Evermore's mouth twitched into a smile and he said, You're normally so punctual. When I saw Dr. Dahlia waiting there in the lobby, I wondered what had happened. So did you tell her why you were late? Ashley relaxed as the version of Evermore, who was his friend and mentor, reappeared for the first time since he had been reassigned. You know I'm a bad liar. You told her the truth? Well, I told her that I'd been in the bathroom and let her fill in the details. The doc barked out a single laugh and changed the subject. In a matter of minutes, Dr. Dahlia will arrive for her first progress review, but I'm afraid her accounts will be skewed by her fear of me, or what I represent. You're my man on the inside, so I wanted to get your opinion first. How is the Lab 7 team doing? Your man on the inside? Is that why you made me her personal assistant? When you asked me to choose someone to work with, I thought I'd be doing just that, not working for her. If you were led to believe that, it wasn't by me. How would that make sense, my boy? Don't take this the wrong way, but anyone I hired to run a lab would feel insulted to be paired with an undergrad co-researcher. If you think I'm going to help you, you can go fuck yourself, Ashley thought, yet he found himself saying, The first few days were pretty chaotic. Do I help Evermore or Ray? It's not as if I'm about to tell Evermore anything Ray wouldn't want him to know. But he realized there were things he didn't want Evermore to know about, like their fight on the first day. Things hadn't changed much since then. Ray only spoke to him to give him orders, and she had never even thanked him for the flowers. Maybe if I feed him pith, he won't notice. The first assignment didn't give her much of a starting point. She has a tough job since Seven is in charge of both research and development, which spreads. I prefer tools and truths, my boy. Research and development fails to convey the depth of our undertaking. It's a pet peeve. I'm sorry, please continue. She's spread her resources thin trying to cover all of the sciences. And then there was the incident with Zephyr. Evermore leaned forward, smiling. I still can't believe she hired Zephyr. He was on the list you gave her, but he's a conspiracy theory nut, and he's unstable. Clearly amused by something, Evermore confessed. I know. Candor told me just about the same thing when I asked him why he had fired Zephyr. Ashley wasn't smiling. I don't see what's so funny about it. My boy, you were desensitized to the humor of the situation because you and he are so alike. Like hell we are! Evermore looked at him for a moment, with amusement twinkling in his eyes. It's true that you have yet to accuse me of brainwashing you, but you both have Mr. in front of your names, 
and you both have a bad habit of saying the first thing that pops into your mind. Ashley tried very hard to say nothing. The act was not lost on Evermore, and he smiled with adoration. How can you look at me like that and yet treat me so badly? Finally, Evermore said, And how is your relationship with Dr. Dahlia? Fine, good, Ashley blurted out. Does he know? He could have used any word, yet he chose relationship. Evermore waited for a real answer. Ashley swallowed and said, I trust and respect her like the rest of the team, and she isn't overworking me. That's not what I meant, but I think you know that. There was a pause as Ashley searched for something to say, and he'll call bullshit on that too. I'm only making it harder on myself. Just tell him. I may have said something that upset her on the first day, and now I don't think she likes me very much. Evermore sighed. Ashley, oftentimes when I listen to others, I find myself filtering out their subjective modifiers, such as may have and very much. Don't minimize, my boy. Embody whatever it is you're feeling and embrace whatever it is you have done. And if you cannot embrace it, then make amends and move on. Ashley had been lectured on this before, and his obvious irritation made Evermore's loving smile even bigger. He thought for a moment and tried again. Basically, he winced. Stop minimizing. I made a series of inappropriate comments, and... She hit me for some reason. Evermore raised his eyebrows and said, I have received no reports of sexual harassment. No, no, nothing like that. I've gotten used to how casual we used to be, he said, gesturing between them. But Ray read my blasé attitude as disrespect. This caution reaches you much too late, but I suspect she's not a flowers and chocolates kind of woman. Ashley turned bright red. How'd you know about the flowers? A voice from his virtual desk cut into their conversation. Dr. Evermore? Dr. Dahlia's here to see you. Evermore rose, quickly crossed the room, and opened the secret door he himself had arrived through. He playfully repeated a complaint that outlined their relationship. Why must you ask me every question that pops into your head? Are you too lazy to discover your own answers once in a while? The look Ashley shot him made Evermore chuckle. Julius at the front desk told me. Good, I'd begun to assume you'd been spying on me. Ashley said, climbing through the door. Good chatting with you, my boy. Evermore started to close the door, but stopped. Ashley, do you love her? Ashley's heart leapt up his throat, and he said, No, she's cold and opinionated and controlling. Evermore smiled, not believing a word of it, said, That's all the answer I needed, and closed the door. Ray. As she waited outside Dr. Evermore's office, her gaze shifted from the dancing lights of the virtual syndications on the coffee table in front of her, to the water cooler in the corner, and anywhere at all to avoid staring at Evermore's man-child receptionist, Samuel Resnick. He had already caught her staring once when she first approached his desk and told him she had a ten o'clock appointment. "'Have a seat,' Samuel said, and went back to typing behind his workstation. The desk made him look like a boy in a man's suit, though if the stories were true, Samuel was a man, and he was in his forties. His eyes do seem older than I remember, darker and almost sunken. Actually, he looks a little ill, maybe just tired. Samuel looked up, and she bent over and pretended to bruise the magazine readers. One of the articles caught her eye. Is there life on Mars? it asked. But after reading one paragraph, she realized that it was about the pros and cons, mostly the cons, of moving your business to Mars. Ray was about to set it down when she noticed the words, Evermore Industries. The article was using EI as an example of a successful move to Mars. It cited the rising equity and a multi-million dollar figure invested by crowdfunders alone. Ray felt her attention drift from the magazine. Is Samuel sick, or is he just really tired? 
She recalled this past weekend and the 14-hour days she had spent at Candor and Jensen Labs, and the layers of concealer she'd used this morning to hide the dark rings beneath her eyes. He glanced up and looked right into her eyes. You came quite a way to work for Evermore, she said. Yes, I did. His voice was high and squeaky, but his tone was entirely mature. He eyed her curiously, and a shiver overcame her. We all have our goals in life. I'll be the first to admit that traveling to Mars to work as a personal assistant was not how I'd envisioned spending my midlife crisis. But if Evermore is on Mars, so must I be if I want to beat my ISS. Ray did not ask what ISS stood for, but assumed it was the name of his condition. What do you think of the Terradome? The look on his face answered the question before he did. What Vegas is to bachelors, Niley is to nerds. A self-indulgent fantasy world for one hyper-specific subculture, she scowled, but Dr. Evermore's voice from the workstation stunted the growth of her budding reaction. Samuel, please send in Dr. Dahlia. Ray lightly tossed the magazine on the table and walked to the door. Touching the handle, she turned back to Samuel. The doctor will see you now, he interrupted. You must be so lonely, she said. Dr. Dahlia, this dome is full of people who have vivisected life, brutally sawed through its chest, spread its ribs apart, and examined the heart of life down to its genetic code. But even as that corpse rots away beneath their scalpels and scopes, no one here knows what it is. Loneliness is living with you walking dead. You want to know how I like the dome? This is purgatory with color. Uninterested to her reaction or reply, he looked back to his desk. Samuel's words bypassed whatever armor she thought she had, awakening her from the illusion she had been believing in. Though it was a dark version of reality, Samuel confirmed a thought that had been lurking in the back of her mind ever since she'd arrived and seen the shiny clean city, the perfect infrastructure, the homogenization of creeds and cultures, and the stark polarization of classes and sexes. It was a fantasy world, and it was unbearably lonely. Ray could feel the logical matrix of her world start to unravel into uncontrollable chaos. What she wanted in life could only be achieved on Mars. But on Mars, she was forced to take part in the lie that this was a utopia. Even before the thought had finished forming, she had unwrapped one Queen Anne's lace from its foil and hidden it in her hand. In the moment that her back was to Samuel and the door still blocked her from Evermore, she popped the little white tablet discreetly into her mouth. She swallowed feeling it scratch a long red mark down the inside of her throat. This has been Chapter 11 of The Mother of Dark Space by Tyler McNamara. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider following me on Twitter at Tyler R. McNamara, M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A, and using the hashtag M-O-D-S-Book. You can learn more about the book project at earwigpublishing.com or on Facebook at earwigpublishing. Earwig Serials is supported by you listeners. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a monthly supporter and gain access to bonus content at patreon.com slash motherofdarkspace. Or, if you'd like to make a single offering, visit paypal.me slash earwigpublishing. Finally, I'd like to thank the artist's silent partner for the use of their song, Frequency. Episode 12 of Earwig Serials was brought to you by LGGT Botanical Labs. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and nothing says gosh darn it I love you babe more than flowers. At LGGT we're able to encourage massive growth through a process called electrobotanical stimulation. Sounds sexy I know. By controlling pactrobutrazole through our propriety produces some of most elegant stems and most glorious blooms. So pick up a dozen this Valentine's season and show your special partner how lucky you two are. 
Well, maybe flowers are just what you need to get that special someone in the entertainment district to finally notice you sitting out there night out. LGBT Botanical Labs.